0: So on today's podcast, we head to the Holy Land to join Bishop Declan Lang, Bishop of Clifton and long-term chair of what's called the Holy Land Coordination, a prayerful annual pilgrimage of bishops from around the world to the lands of Christ's life and ministry. But actually, you're not there, Bishop Declan. You're in Bristol because the COVID-19 pandemic clearly has stopped travel as we fight the spread of this uh, awful virus. Now, obviously, I suppose one of the key things about the pandemic is that there's almost a, a total lack of pilgrims in in this region that we love so much and that has a big economic knock-on effect that the tourism industry the olive wood carvings and the other things that those pilgrims would buy what have you learned from those people that have spoken to the group about that sort of an already quite desperate situation being made all the more so by the the economic impact and the lack of pilgrims
1: well it is a desperate situation and we've learned that Families who depend upon the industry, such as the olive wood carvings, have no income, and they are totally dependent upon food parcels from charity agencies and church agencies. It has just slowed life down completely, and for some people, I suppose, it's really just existence, not living. So it's um, made a situation which, as you know, James, is a bad one anyway. It's made it even worse, uh, and families are finding great hardship. And I'm sure that's also putting strain on family life, as it is in this country and other countries where we're suffering from coronavirus. I kind
0: of sense, sitting on those uh, remote sessions, that there's there's a sort of general feeling that there's less cause for hope. And perhaps that's not just the pandemic. I, I've heard things being spoken about, such as, you know, in terms of blockade and occupation, You know, nothing seems to change. And we've done this, haven't we, for a decade or more. And, and our predecessors, before a decade or so before that, how how do we feel about the hope situation? Because as Christians, we, we are hope-filled people, or we should seek to be the hope in Christ. But isn't it hard to generate that hope
1: when nothing seems to change in the Holy Land? It's very difficult to find signs of hope. I think if we're looking at the political level, politics is is very unstable at the moment. As you know, Israel is going for another general election, its fourth general election. And the, the leadership in the West Bank also has been there for quite a while. There needs always to be, I think, a change in leadership or for politicians to be talking to one another with respect for each other and really listening and have, really having a dialogue between themselves. There are signs of hope, but the hope is amongst the ordinary people, the everyday people, who are trying to work together together to break down barriers, and to um, respond, as the Christian community does, in a great way to the wider needs of the community, such as in education and in health care. It's, it's interesting that in Gaza, the parish priest of the Holy Family Church was telling us he's only got 150 members of his parish. But the amount of work that they do is amazing. They're, they're like the seed and the gospel that's sown, that produces a great harvest. The work of in Gaza of the, of the church in education and in trying to train people to be ready for employment is, is very remarkable. And it's very humbling as well as you see people trying to live their Christian faith and under great pressure and difficult circumstances. You mentioned
0: Gaza. I was very moved actually by that session that we had on the realities in Gaza because we know, you know even getting in is, is very difficult. But I was very struck by that. And as you say, the church really does do its pastoral work for the common good in Gaza, doesn't it? Because what was it, 150, roughly, maybe a few less Latin Catholics, uh, only 1077 Christians full stop in a population of 2 million people. But the thing that struck me on top of that is that obviously there's only 6-7% of Christians in the christian schools so it is serving the wider community and that wonderful statistic that we learned from caritas of some 61 percent of home healthcare visits are facilitated by caritas in the whole of of gaza for that population you know of two million i think we can learn a, a sort of lesson a, a, of a model of service can't we because other bishops have said um well you know the new normal when it comes is not going to be the same There are going to be great changes and perhaps we will have to Punch above our weight, and maybe that Gaza example is is rather a good one of how the church punches above its weight. Do you think?
1: I think it's the, the model of the church as servant, as we're servant to people in their need, and also what we receive from those people as well. I think is important that we're not just there to give, give, give. We're there to receive from those people who might be in situations which are materially less favourable than ours are, and yet they seem to have grasped something that's very essential to the Christian faith, that is love of God expressed in love of neighbour, is a very practical form of Christianity. Perhaps that's what we need the church to do in Western Europe and other places, to become more a servant church, a church that is there to serve the wider community in its needs.
0: And you mentioned that change of leadership in terms of the politics. What do you think we can expect of our government and indeed the international community when it comes to perhaps being a bit more dynamic and, and changing the narrative on Israel and Palestine?
1: We were told by some people that they fear that the Israel-Palestine question is no longer a priority on the agenda of many countries where it used to be engaged in, the, in the, the whole dialogue. I think we have to keep pressing on our government the importance of having peace in that part of the world but a peace that is based upon justice and to keep pressing the Israeli government and the Palestinian authorities to establish peace talks again and to make it a priority because if there is peace in the Middle East, then there is peace, one could say, in the greater part of the world. And we often, you know, we are talking
0: about the lands of of Christ's birth, ministry, ministry, passion and resurrection and yet sometimes it's sort of we don't hear his name very often do we and yet at least the holy land coordination always is rooted in prayer but how do we bring that that sort of love of christ to the people of the holy land even you know from
1: from our position here several thousand miles away well i think it's brought to the people of the holy land by the christians there in the holy land uh, it was emphasized by Father Gabriel, for instance, and the Holy Family in Gaza, that the church is there, first of all, to be a church of prayer, a church that is open to the transforming power of the Word of God. And that it's through prayer and through uniting ourselves to Christ that we're able to go out and do things which perhaps might seem impossible. As St Paul said, We can achieve things which we think are impossible, which we could never even imagine in the past. Yet in the present they happen because we are acting in Christ's name. I think we can support the people of the Holy Land ourselves through prayer and through pilgrimages as well, because pilgrimages will bring back to the people of the Holy Land, especially the Palestinians, a living, so that they can live with a sense of dignity. And also to remember that they're not forgotten, because again, as we've heard in other years, they often feel a forgotten people. But I think we can assure them that they they are not forgotten. And the Holy Land Coordination Group, because of its annual visit, partly does that. It tells the people, we do remember you because we're all part of the same family, we're all part of the same church. And I think because it's a holy land to Islam, to Judaism, and to Christianity, it should be, really be a land of dialogue and become a and example of people living in harmony together rather than in tension.
0: And just one final word on those people of Israel and Palestine, the people of the Holy Land, the Christians, everybody. One thing that does strike me in that, that one occasion I was there was actually, despite the challenges, most people want to get along with one another in a very simplistic
1: way. The hospitality is always very strong. I think certainly hospitality is a mark of the people of the Holy Land. We've always been greeted very warmly and generously as well. Um, I think that's where the hope is. The, The ordinary people, as I said earlier, just trying to get on together, living with one another in peace and harmony, because I think both sides, if you talk about sides of Israelis and Palestinians, they want peace, they want harmony. They want their families to flourish because they love their families. What needs to happen, I think, is through dialogue, a trust needs to be built up again between the two peoples. Um, But not until that trust is established, I don't think will anything really happen at a deep level.
0: Well, we'll certainly pray for that. And thank you, Bishop Declan, ever so much for your insight, garnered from the many years that you've been visiting the Holy Land. Not so this year, but nonetheless, I think it's been a, a valuable coordination nonetheless.
1: As they say, next year in Jerusalem... Absolutely. Bishop Declan, thank you very much. Thank you, James.